in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDonsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 667 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about the fact that, well, uh, I guess skiing is trying to save itself, and Ron's a skier. He's going to explain. Also, uh, I had a neighbor that house just went up for sale, and it's sitting. I'm going to tell you why it's sitting, and maybe some of the things that you could do or we could do if you're bringing a house to market in 2024. In fact, these are things that you have to do. Uh, and I was with one of our clients today, and we are doing the have-to-dos because there are some – yeah, there still are have-to-dos if you want to get optimal money uh, in this market. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, and we'll talk about the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks, I think, in our next episode. Uh, but the Kelsey brothers, Philadelphia Eagles, you know that one of, one of the Kelseys is a center for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know that one of the other Kelsey plays for the Chiefs. The Chiefs move on with Patrick Mahomes with one Kelsey brother and the other Kelsey brother. It seems like the Philadelphia Eagles, it's kind of falling apart. Anyway, the two Kelsey brothers have a podcast. It's named after their high school. One of them, in fact, the one that plays center for the Philadelphia Eagles, he still wears his letter jacket and his flip-flops on game day. When you see all these guys, just they get dressed up and they look amazing. Uh, think of all the Seattle Seahawks on game day, the way they dress. He just wear, And he's a very good player. He's an all-pro player. He's 67 years... No, not 67. I'm sorry. He's 36 years old. He's kind of toward the end of his career, and he just doesn't give a you know what? So he just had, <laughs> he's usually just kind of chewing on some seeds. He walks out in his flip flops, even if it's 20 degrees and he has his letter jacket on, which I absolutely love. Those two brothers have a podcast. That podcast has become the most popular podcast in the world because one of them, as you know, probably is dating Taylor Swift. The other interesting thing is, and I think it was Peacock decided that we are going, and you're going to see this with a lot of streaming services, when they have, especially when it comes to sports, so they have something that's very unique, they're going to put it on the stream because all of them have to develop a streaming service now in order to survive the networks just aren't going to make it, right? And they're too expensive. In fact, everything in the next 5, 10 years, all your favorite NFL games, baseball, all that stuff, it's all going to be streamed. And so they decided, we're going to go ahead and throw it on Peacock, the Chiefs game. And one of the reasons they decided to do it is they knew that Taylor Swift would be there at the game, and it worked. 25 million people ended up watching the Chiefs game, which is a very, very big number, especially on a streaming service, especially when you think about for it used to be 
for a Monday night football game. Maybe you get 25, 27 million people to watch. Sometimes it's, a, it's as little as 10 to 15 million people now because folks are watching so many other things. So they see that as a great success, except for some of the people on the broadcast, including Tony Dungy, who used to coach for the Buccaneers. He thinks it's absolutely disgusting that they keep showing Taylor Swift. He said, that's why we're actually losing sports fans that care about football. He kind of knows what's happening there. A guy by the name of Rich Eisen, though, that does a radio show and also works for one of the networks, he came out and he said, you know what? It's really disgusting to me when I look in my feed, what people say about Taylor Swift, what Tony Dungy has said. He said, it's a lot of toxic masculinity and it makes me sick. We are in the entertainment business. And the bottom line is this. We should be thankful that she is driving a new audience to the NFL. And the NFL knows this, Ron. That's why they keep showing her. What say you? Do you agree with Tony Dungy on this? That we're real, losing the real football fans? Or do you like the fact, and Rich Eisen likes the fact that, hey, she's driving a new audience to this, and he thinks it's a great thing. And if you don't agree with him, he says, hey, when I look, especially in my Twitter feed, which now I guess they call it something else, he said he sees a lot of toxic, ugly comments about her. Yeah, uh, Tony Dungy can take a hike on this one. He's totally missed the boat. Let's let's establish this here real quick out of the gate. Taylor Swift and, and, and Travis Kelsey... Um, they are not in control of the cameras at an NFL broadcast. All right. They don't pick the shots. They don't pick uh, which camera is on and which camera is not on. They are not directing that broadcast. And so there is a guy, and I've been in the TV uh, truck before. It's absolutely phenomenal if you ever get a chance to go in there. There is a human being sitting in a truck outside the stadium, a semi-truck, with all the monitors there. He's the one that's saying to a cameraman, hey, Jim, zoom in on Taylor. Hey, Jim, we need a shot of Taylor reaction shot here. If Taylor's So he's the one that is telling a camera person to do that. And then he's the one or she, whoever who is in the truck, is telling them to take that shot. And so Taylor Swift has no control over that. And then let me say this as well. If you've watched, if you're not a fan of the NFL, you may not know this. Um, there are wives and girlfriends, they call them WAGs, W-A-G-S, wives and girlfriends at every single game. And if you remember back to when Giselle Bunchen and Tom Brady were brand new, and they would show Giselle every five seconds on the, on the TV as well, because she was one of the most beautiful women in the world at the times, probably still is, and a supermodel, Victoria's Secret model. They couldn't get enough of Giselle. And so all of the wives and girlfriends are at every game. If the NFL wanted to show wives and girlfriends, they could. Uh, and if you notice, Taylor Swift is sitting next to Brittany uh, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' wife, who he's, he's known since high school. And uh, she seems, if you've watched the quarterback show on, the NFL, on uh, Netflix, produced by Peyton Manning's company, Omaha, uh, she seems really fun. They have a really fun relationship. And you can tell they've known each other since they were teenagers because there's none of that overlay of like, oh, I married you after you and they. NFL. They they were together before he made it to college. And so they have a really fun relationship. She is sitting next to Taylor. And so Patrick Mahomes is best friends with Travis Kelsey on the team. And so his wife is now, they're not best friends, but they are friends in the luxury box. So they get a luxury box together, most likely. And then they invite people into the luxury box and they're having fun at a sporting event. And so for 
for you know someone like Tony Dungy to say that somehow that is detracting from the game experience. Dude, why don't you pull out a couple commercials then? Why don't you, uh, you know, make the game move along a little bit with, you know, 75 penalty reviews? Like, those are things that are slowing down and and losing fans, Mm. not going up and showing people having fun uh, in a luxury box. And like I said, you could show anybody's anybody's wife or girlfriend in the stands, but they are choosing the NFL is choosing. Uh, and the director of that show who's been noted in a pre-production meeting, they are getting a direction. Hey, show Taylor Swift on the screen because it's bringing eyeballs to, to our numbers and it's bringing young women uh, to our broadcast. And we like that as a, as a brand. I thought it was pretty interesting. She addressed this a couple, a, a couple of weeks ago when this first happened, and when they were struggling or when her boyfriend struggles, and in fact, he struggled in this game. I think he had three or four drop balls. Uh, then they'll turn on her, some of the, some of the men on, on whatever Twitter's called now, and, and go after her as well. And, and she said this, which I think is really great. She said, and maybe I get the order wrong, but she said, I'm not responsible for all the dads, brads, and chads. And she said exactly what you just said, Ron. I, I'm not determining when they turn the camera on and off. And, and she frankly just said, I'm not going to hide from the cameras, though, either. I'm not because because other times you'll have very famous people and they'll hide in the luxury box so they don't end up on camera because they don't want to be on camera. And she's like, you know what? I'm there to have fun. I'm there to be with the public. I'm there to cheer on my boyfriend. I'm there to just be other with other people, enjoy the NFL experience and be as regular and normal as I can be. And I'm not responsible for all the way that the dads, brads and chads feel. And the media did the same thing and destroyed Jessica Simpson's relationship with Tony Romo back in the day. They were a cool couple. That's right. And yeah. she was a, one of the first women's where she took a Romo jersey, had it doctored up so it fit a female body, and then people were all over her. But the camera couldn't get enough of her at a Cowboys game. But then when, when Tony Romo would throw an interception or Tony Romo had a bad game, now it's Jessica Simpson's fault. And it's like, it, it's, it's really petty. It's really small. These are grown men. And I think the, the storyline on Travis and... And Taylor that people are bringing up is on uh, on their bye week. He had extra days off and he flew out of town from Kansas City and attended a Taylor Swift concert, I think, uh, in another country. Like it could have been Mexico or I, yes. I forget exactly where it was. Like it was Argentina, like Argentina yeah. Mexico, yeah. something like that. And people lost their mind. Yeah. And it's like. Dude, how is that different than flying from New York to L.A.? It's like a five-hour flight. She has her own plane. She made a billion dollars on this tour. He's not flying Southwest. He got on the tour plane, went to the show on his day off. Who who cares what you do on your day? It's a week yeah. off. Yeah. And they, they, people want to love to go, that's why he dropped the pass, because he went to a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, it's like, and, come and, on. And next time you go to a Seahawks game, if you go to a Seahawks game, and, and if they don't get things figured out, uh, tickets are abundant, and you found that out toward the t- the end of the year. And that's one of the reasons they made the Pete Carroll change because they 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 have to start building value again. Go in the Seahawks store, or next time you go to a Mariner game, go in that store and look around. And there used to not be an area for kids and women, just men. And now the areas for you t- you take the area for women and kids, 
and, it, and it's bigger than the men's area. Because a lot of times, guys go out on average, they buy a T-shirt, it lasts for seven to nine years, and that's it. Or they buy a jersey, and they just wear that jersey. Still wearing their Steve Largent jersey. They, they, they are, yeah. And not the new one, the old one. But a lot of women, a lot of kids, they are driving price on those jerseys, on that merchandise, and the NFL teams love it. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. I get this question a lot. Are you a skier or a snowboarder? And I have to say, I'm not great at either. <laughs> I grew up skiing in New Mexico, and that's when you had usually had orange laying boots. You had Levi's five hundred one button ups. Usually wore gray gaiters, two hundred five Rosinog skis, so super long. Usually had look poles. Uh, a corduroy hat on backwards that usually said purgatory, which now uh, is no longer called purgatory. I think it's called Durango Mountain, but they may have gone back to purgatory. Uh, you got on your Smith goggles or you have on your glacier glasses. Uh, you probably have on some, some matching Smith gloves. I wore a, a fake uh, a jean jacket back then that kind of had that fake wool in it. And then and then maybe you had a hooded sweatshirt on there somewhere. And that's the way that, that you would ski in New Mexico. Fast forward, when, as my son started uh, expressing interest, I went up and I would pay for some... Um, I, would, I would pay for him to go snowboarding and then I would go snowboarding. The thing about snowboarding, especially with little kids is you cannot keep up with the equipment. You you cannot. I, I have a really hard time. In fact, uh, I sent a picture of my son the other day to Brock Heward, and his son, he has a son by the name of Titus. They're the same age. His son, you know how tall his 13-year-old is right now? I would imagine. He had a picture of his feet. son next to Bo Nix. Brock Heward's son is almost 6'4", and he's 13 years <laughs> wow. old. Wow. And the first thing that Brock said when he saw my son, because I saw a picture of him playing at the school of rock, he goes, man, you just wait until your son grows into those shoes because he's going to be a monster. Because my son hasn't grown tall yet, but he is wearing a 10 and a half shoe. Uh, but he still is like four foot fourteen. He's not very tall. His pediatrician says uh, he'll be about my height, six six one, something like that. Nonetheless, just trying to keep up with all the ski gear or all the snow gear is so darn expensive. And at some point, you just got to pick your sports and the things that you're going to invest in. And so uh, you got you, tubas to buy. 
Well, we have tubas to buy. We have horns to buy. We have school rock stuff to buy. We have guitars to buy and amps to buy. Uh, we have tutors to buy. He really likes flag football, but even flag football is quite a bit of money uh, to play each and every year. So he hasn't expressed a lot of interest in that. We have gone up. I, I bought lessons. I did a, the, the thing that I noticed was on a really icy day on a snowboard. It sucks, man, because you can really start picking up some speed. And if you don't make that turn, you are you are a dead man walking. And when he was younger and didn't make the turn, he would just fall down. It was fine. As he got older, he crashed a couple times. Luckily, he had his helmet on. He did not like that at all. And so he has not been quick to return. I have to say the numbers, number of times that we went up in the past, though, it was rainy, it was it was it was kind of that ice snow, and we should probably uh, give it another try. Nonetheless, we're somewhere between skiing and snowboarders, but not really. But you are. Are you a snowboarder now or a skier? And evidently, someone wants to step in in America and and, and save save skiing. I guess I, right? I am currently back to skiing. I, I grew up skiing, then I snowboarded for about ten years, and now I'm back to skiing. So the interesting evolution are these um, these passes that cover tons of areas. And so the one here locally that and I've done this to the past the previous two years. I didn't do it this year because I've been uh, doing some traveling in in the wintertime is called the Epic Pass. Mm -hmm. And so what has happened in in the ski industry is that several companies, I think the biggest one, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, just Ron at ronadon.com. I believe it's the group that owns Aspen, the Aspen Colorado group. They've gone out and as other ski areas have struggled financially, uh, this Aspen group has just gobbled up a bunch of ski areas around North America and also around the world. They have one one competitor that gobbled up a bunch of other skiers. You have basically two conglomerates that own most of the popular ski, the big names in, in North America, all the ski areas. So what they decided to do is come out the Epic Pass is it's it's unlimited. There's different tiers, but the the premier one, which I think is around a thousand dollars, is you get unlimited skiing at the skier of your choice. So let's say like the one I would use would be Stevens Pass, but then I could also go up to Whistler for certain dates. They'd have some blackout dates, like you couldn't go on uh, you know Christmas weekend or whatever. Um, so there were some blackout dates, but I could ski there. There were some places in Utah I could go to, maybe Big Bear down. In California, uh, maybe you could go to, to Aspen in Colorado. So they give you this roster of ski areas that you can go to, and you get a a badge like you would get. Um, if you're working at Microsoft, where you click it on the the door to get in, it's got your phone your photograph on there, your information, and you can either wear it around your neck or put it in your pocket. <clears throat> and so the beauty of this is. You don't have to wait in any lines to buy your lift tickets. You like get out of the car, you got your gear on, uh, you just walk right over to the line and they scan you with one, like you're a, a piece of grocery going down the thing. Beep. They scan your thing. Wow. You're in and it, with no lines, no waiting. You're just on the lift. And so there's, it's a cool concept. And so here, I think depending on your personality, you fall into one or two camps. So for me, I'm like, okay. I need to use this thing <laughs> at, at least 13 and a half times, seven times a year yeah. on the eighth time I'm making money. 
So like that's my, my break even point is seven times a year. Uh, and so there's that mentality. And then there's another mentality after I did that and I missed the first year, I didn't get my seven trips in. Um, I was talking to my buddy that is a big snowboard and he's like, dude, you can't look at it like that. Look at it as he goes, you can go up. Just get five or six runs in. Let's say you have a half a day on a Friday. You could go up, get five or six runs in. You don't have to feel guilty for leaving early. You can get up and down and just you're on your own schedule. You never have to wait in a line and it's super convenient. And then you possibly could plan a, a, an away trip uh, if, if you have the time or a weekend. And so I tried to switch my mentality the second year into that mentality. And, it, and it, he was right. The, you're paying for the convenience and and not in in avoiding the guilt because on the days where you just bought one lift ticket for one day and it was a hundred dollars uh, by the time you got up there and you parked and you got your food and you're you're there you felt the pressure to ski the whole day mm. you felt this pressure of like it was a really expensive day like i need to stay even if it's negative 25 degrees and it's raining sideways and uh, i fell on ice and bonked my head i gotta just i gotta get a hundred runs in i gotta stay till they shut the lift down and you felt this pressure to get your money's worth when you had when i had the epic pass there were days where i'd go up and maybe the sun would come out and it's like cool i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna have lunch i'm gonna get 20 runs in then there were days where you'd go up and you thought it was going to be clear and it does start to rain you're like you know what i'm good i've got my five or six runs in my visibility's down i fell real hard i'm not enjoying this my gloves got wet like i'm just gonna call it today and you don't feel or i didn't feel like i wasted the wasted the money so like all right i can still i can come back the next day and come back the next week now there's a third competitor that is trying to come in undercut the two big giants uh, with the non-marquee ski areas. So in most of the, of the big ski states, uh, there will be the big name area like the Aspen, and then there'll be something of a smaller in nature. Like I remember in Mexico, we would have Rio Doso, or you would have, uh, what was the one out of Los Alamos? They weren't big mountains, but they were fun. Um, just smaller areas. They're not going to have the big gondolas and all the, the amenities, but you're going to go up and ski. So this third company has come in. They're scooping up those areas and now they're charging, you know, three, 300 bucks or 399 and kids are like 199. Whereas if you're buying the Epic pass, you're looking at 800 to a thousand dollars, uh, to buy that pass. And so there's options. I don't, I I didn't look at the areas in Washington state to know if there's enough here to do that. I think there's really just the two or three ski area possibilities here. But um, if you, if you can do it five to 10 times a year, the passes are really cool because you just walk right up and you're on the chairlift. Yeah. I have to say, and I haven't been up since before COVID, but before COVID it was packed up there. Some, some people enjoyed COVID because then they limited the amount of people that could be on the mountain. Uh, so I would imagine that those crowds are back. It's just because this area, the Seattle outlying area has grown so much. I mean, it's in the past couple of years, there's 300,000 people that have moved here. And a lot of people that have moved here are younger, especially here in Seattle. You have tons of millennials that have moved here. Uh, over 40% of the city now is millennials and millennials want to get outside. You see it at dog parks. I see it when I go on trail runs. 
when I run with Northwest Trail Run now, it's just it, it's packed with people no matter where you go because there's a, there's more people here and the people that are here want to get outdoors. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ronnie on here with Mitch Weeks. You know him as Mitch.loans. Mitch, a lot of people find themselves in this scenario. Maybe they're downsizing and they're like, where am I going to live when I sell this house? Because I don't have my other house yet. And it freaks them out and sometimes they, they tap the brakes. Is there anything we can do in a loan way to help someone in that scenario? Absolutely. We have a great new program. It's called Buy Before You Sell, and it's structured to help exactly those type of people. What you can do is you tap into the equity in your home in advance. So let's say you've already paid, you've been living in a house for a while, you've already paid it down, and about half of it's equity. You can get up to 80% of the value of your house in that equity. You get that in, and that's the down payment on your next home. Hmm. Not only that, but in this program, you're not hit for your debt on your old house or that loan because it's a 0% interest loan. And because of that, you can buy your next house before you have to sell your current house. It means you don't have to move twice and it just adds a lot less stress. Yeah, absolutely adds a lot less stress. So if that's the scenario for you or you've been having a stumbling block, if I don't know where I'm going to live first before I sell this house, give Mitch a call or you can contact us. It's Mitch.loans or RonandOnSitdown.com. Again, Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, don't forget, uh, if you need us, just reach out, ronanddonsitdown.com. We sell the sound. I was up uh, at a home in Edmonds today that uh, we have a client up there, and we're going to talk more about in our real estate-specific strategies about working with clients this year, talking about commissions, um, and... I think that that's a real good thing that real estate agents now, especially in the state of Washington, one of the first, first things they're supposed to talk about with you is commissions. And it used to be the last, if ever. And sometimes people will get their net proceeds and went, wow, look at all these commissions or all these fees or all these taxes. I didn't know that this was coming out. And so it's really, really important to, to have those conversations. Anyway, we were up there. I was helping them. I met a contractor up there. There's some work that needed to be done at the house. And, and, and let me say this. When it, when it comes to bringing a house to market in 2024, especially if you're in the Seattle area or one of the bedroom communities, it used to be... Yeah, you know, if you if you spent money on the house to bring it to market, a lot of people were afraid that they weren't going to get that money back. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you can spend money on things, uh, especially if you go down and let's say that you end up drywall in a basement. And depending upon that particular basement, how somebody sees it, what they're going to use it for, what neighborhood it's in. You might have just thrown all the money away that you're not going to get back on drywalling, taping, and and, and, pacing, and, and painting that basement. Sometimes maybe because the, the basement is too low, so someone can't really use that as a livable space anyway, so maybe they're going to use that as a laundry area or storage. And it's nice that you frame that in and you spent that money, but in some neighborhoods, you're not going to get that back. In other places, you should absolutely do that. But if you're going to do that, then you have to think about, well, maybe I spend a little bit more money, maybe I dig out this basement, maybe I put in a kitchenette, 
And now I'm spending more money, but I'm spending more money to get a lot more money back. So that's why it's important to understand uh, the strategy. I shared a couple of weeks ago, I have a neighbor that's selling a house and their house is now up for sale. And in the neighborhood that I live in, Queen Anne, we just had a number of homes here sell that were in the $3 million up to $4 million range. And those are gone. Those are sold in 2024. There's not a lot for sale that was in this neighborhood. A lot of things where people maybe had them on during the holidays, because when something's for sale during the holidays, it's typically because somebody really needs to sell. A lot of those homes have been gobbled up and they're gone. So now here we are waiting for the springboard for homes to come on. And I congratulate my neighbor for being on right now, because I actually think now, before this sunny, sunny spring, is actually a really good time to be on, because people kind of January, the third week in January, they're, they're house hunting now. They are, they are looking right now. And so anyway, they've had tons of traffic through their house, but they haven't had any offers on their house. And, and we had talked about it the other day. And there's a couple things that they didn't do. Number one, they had an opportunity to frame in a third bedroom because where their bedrooms are, they only have two bedrooms. And in a neighborhood like this, where people are moving here, for instance, because co-elementary school is in this neighborhood, it gets a 10 out of 10. Co-elementary school is why I moved to this neighborhood. I wanted my son to go to that particular elementary school. A lot of people that are moving into this neighborhood are families. And a lot of the families that come here are driven by schools, and especially elementary schools, because those are the ages of their children. And we see that all the time. As realtors, we have to be very careful about steering and talking about schools. But I'm just giving you my own experience that I moved to this neighborhood because of co-elementary. And so for their house, they're an older couple. And it's just the two of them. They've never had children. They have a, a, a wonderful dog. But they never saw the value of that third bedroom. And I told them as they were preparing, I said, hey, you should, and I'm doing this as a friend because they have a, a friend in the family that's a realtor. I said, I, I don't want to go toe-to-toe with, with you and your realtor, but you really should frame this in as a third bedroom because the people looking at this, they're going to want a discount if they feel like they need to frame it in this third bedroom. Some of the other things were, so, when, when you look at the house, the house had been remodeled 19 years ago. But to them and their taste, it's like a fresh remodel. To them, they feel like the house was just remodeled. And sometimes you start counting and you go, wow, this, this, this actually hasn't been remodeled for 19 years. It doesn't mean that you have to go in and, and do a full remodel. But there are things you can do like painting kitchen cabinets, putting on different poles. You can end up pulling the sink and putting in an apron sink. You can go into the bathroom, pull some of that old lighting, and you can put light bars in there. Uh, you can go into some of the bedrooms where you have these old chandelierish uh, looking uh, uh, lights in the ceiling, and you can pull those out, and you can put really cheap, brighter, modern light in there, and it makes all the difference when people walk in then it feels to them like a full remodel. Things like painting the door, front door, that's the heart of, uh, of the home, making sure that you put new hardware on that. Uh, those are the types of things. In this market, if you want max dollars, those are the types of things that you should be doing. And don't forget, just because you did a remodel 19 years ago, it doesn't look like a fresh remodel to a younger couple that is walking in today. And then the other thing that I tell people, I'm like, 
some of the wood tones that were in the house, they didn't want to paint. And I said, well, well, you need to paint these. And they said, well, they were real expensive. And I said, when people walk in, they're not going to appreciate the mahogany. They're not. They're going to appreciate the color. They're going to appreciate the brightness of it, the modernness of it. But, but something needs to be done. So as a result of that, then I looked at the staging. The staging was done with a very cheap stager. They didn't spend a lot of money on it. The pictures aren't great. The, the listing doesn't tell the story of what an awesome neighborhood that they're in. I don't see uh, any of the walkable restaurants here, right? I don't hear, see anything about the bus that you can get on at the bottom of the hill. Some of the great coffee shops that are here. Some of the great places that you can go shop. I, I don't see any of that stuff in the listing. And it's because the, that, that particular realtor lives in a completely different part of the sound. So you want to make sure when you hire a realtor that they understand your part of the sound. And even if they don't necessarily sell in your neighborhood, that's okay. Because like for us, we sell the sound. But when we're selling a home, I spend an awful lot of time in that neighborhood, understanding that neighborhood, interviewing the people that live there. What do you love about this neighborhood? And then that needs to be ref reflective in the listing as well. Yeah, I mean, the concept here is return on investment. And there are things that do that and there are things that don't. And so you, you don't, if you haven't done this, in years and years, you just don't know. And some, I've met people with a great sense of taste and the thing that is important to them is just the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that they're wrong or that their taste is wrong. It means that the money they're going to have to spend to do that is not going to give them a great result. Uh, and, and so knowing what is good ROI, what is bad ROI is the name of the game when it comes to listing your house. And that's what we're here for. You're, you're very good at that. I think that I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Not as good as you are, but, but I, I know a lot of that stuff as well. And sometimes the, the best service you can give uh, a client is to protect them from themselves and protect them from going too far or spending too much uh, on things as they're about to leave to say, no, you don't need to do that, um, that you're throwing away money right there. If you want to do it just out of, because you're OCD or like you just want to do it, that's fine, but don't expect to get the uh, return on investment on the, that specific item. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that. If you're if you're listing a house, if you're a realtor, even if you're not listing a house with us in our Friday real estate only, we're going to talk about your house really telling its own story and how you can help your realtor do that. Okay, so really important stuff. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Yeah, you can email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or jump on ronanddonsitdown.com, and you can uh, schedule an appointment right there. Yeah. Don't forget, we sell the sounds. So when you need us, just reach out. We'd love to sit down with you. And we're doing sit downs all next week. We can meet virtually. And if we're going to be good partners, uh, then we can come out and see the property. Or like Ron did with a police officer friend of ours, you can go shopping. And uh, they just bought a really cool property, you guys. All right. Till next time, head up, shoulders back. You even listen to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.